Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Today's message is going to be about faith, but it um, won't be just the usual thing about faith. Uh, so many times people are always so quick to say, um, yes, I have faith. And so many times we are so quick to say, yes, I have faith. But what is faith and how much are we really, really using it? You know, it's easy to say, yes, I have faith. But when the rubber hits the road and things are really going difficult, difficultly in your life, um, how do you use that faith and how do you really, 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 really activate it? We've all been given a measure of faith, but many times we say, boy, Oh boy, you know, so-and-so, you know, John so-and-so or Mary so-and-so just has so much faith. She has so much going on in her life. And yet though she seems to just hang in there, she must have, she has much more faith than I do because if I was in that situation, I don't know if I could be just as calm as she is, okay? Well, we all have the same measure of faith according to Scripture. So let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. You know, faith, faith along with the word um, trust, you know, do I trust God? And people say, yes, I trust God, and, and yes, I have faith. But what does that really, really mean? And I know many, many times, I mean, I'm not, not you know, exempt from the issue, but when things pop up in your life unexpectedly and it's really a, quite a burden, you know, sometimes you may say to yourself, oh boy, do I have the faith to get me through this, you know? And we all, as children of God, and we all are growing in our walks with God, so it's not, it's not too unreasonable to believe that almost every single saint, every single child of God has that question arise from time to time. So how do we learn to really, 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 really use our faith? So first of all, talking about the measure of faith, Romans 12 and uh, looking at verse number 3 for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Okay? As God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So every single person has been given a measure of faith. The measure of faith that God has given me as a pastor, teacher, is not any greater than the measure of faith that God has, God has given you. You see? But many, many times it may seem that others have more faith than others. You know, that others have more faith than others. Or sometimes you may think that others may have more faith than you. But as I said before, today we're going to look at how to learn to really, really use your faith. Now, we have to understand one thing at the onset. That faith is not positive thinking. You know, faith is not, you know, um, visualization and all that sort of thing. I mean, to some degree, when you're believing for something, yes, indeed, you're visualizing that that thing is going to come to pass. But it's not based on some um, management theoretical practice or some yoga practice or some other practice you know that is not really faith okay you know and it's a whole lot more to just you know being thinking positively faith is trust in God period and the only way to develop good faith is to trust in God and the only way to trust in God is to get to really really know God as you've heard me say many many times before we have to get to the place that we realize that God is not as in Star Wars may the force be with you or some thing 
floating around in the atmosphere that God is indeed the God of the creator, creator of the universe and a very real um, person, quote unquote, so to speak. I, you know, we know he's not flesh and blood, but he is very, very real and that God is exactly who he says he is. Um, since God is trustworthy, as we learn to know him, we learn to trust him. Faith is trusting when things don't turn out the way we expect. All right, that's when you really, really have to trust God. When things don't go the way you expect them to go or the way you are hoping for them to go, that's when you really have to trust Him, and that's where you really have to draw on your faith. Let's go to Hebrews um, 6. I'm sorry, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse number 6. Okay, Hebrews 11, verse number 6, and it reads, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, okay, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Okay, diligently underline that, diligently if you don't already have it underlined. Um, So without faith it's impossible to please God. So first of all, if you're talking about pleasing God, without faith it's impossible to please him. You may be a regular churchgoer, you know, you may be doing everything that you think is in line with the word of God, but if you're not having faith in him, then you certainly, you, you, you can't please him. Okay, you can't please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is. You really, really have to believe that God is who he says he is and that God can bring to pass anything that is in your life that needs to be rectified, that needs to be fixed. Um, um, Your prayers in accordance with his will indeed will be answered and you have to indeed know that he is who he says he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now, diligently seeking him is not just seeking him um, when you need something. Diligently seeking him is not just an occasional prayer. Diligent seeking him is not just crying out only you know, oh Lord, help me. Diligently seeking Him is when you, you're wanting to know somebody more and more and better and better. You know, you know, if, if you were were looking for something in the store, you know, a new gadget that's coming out. You know, I mean, I certainly when I'm on a rampage to get a new gadget, I'm diligently seeking that gadget. I'm, you know, looking at Best Buy, online with Amazon, any place else that I can get information on. I'm diligently seeking that particular gadget. We have to do the same thing with God. You have to really, really want to know Him. You have to really be looking to, to find him and to talk with him and bring him into your life. You know, it is not just an occasional thing. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, not those who merely seek his blessings, but those who really seek him for the sake of seeking him. You see, you know, and, and it's one thing, you know, we've, we've all known people that will talk to you or will maybe even seek you out when they want something from you, you know, where you get to the point, maybe you even start avoiding that person. Oh God, here comes so-and-so. Yeah, I know he must want something. I know she must want something, you know. So we can't be that way with God. We have to seek him because we really, really uh, want to know him, you know. And that's where, because actually if you stop and think about it, um, when you're seeking God, finding God is actually the reward. 
You understand what I'm saying? Finding God is actually the reward because that's the beginning of all things, you know? You know, it's one thing to find a piece of gold. It's one thing to find a piece of money or something like that. But finding God is such a reward because, I mean, finding God is truly the gem of the universe, so to speak, okay? Because if you find God, then you found everything that you need, you see? But if you're missing God, you don't know where God is or you don't know how to connect with him, then you're missing oh so much, you know? It's more than just a little trivial things of everyday life, you know, finding God and actually, and, 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 and you know when you find God. There's a knowing deep within your spirit when you find God. You feel a closeness with God. You will hear God speaking to you. You will hear his voice in, in your stomach, so to speak, in your belly, deep within your being. You know, when you connect with God, you know when you've connected with him. This isn't just some experience like, you know, you bump into somebody in Walmart. You know, really when you connect with God and you get to know him, that is the biggest reward because when that time happens, when you're in prayer, when you connect with God, Everything that is on your mind, any anxiety that you might have, any worry, any concern, any issue, it literally just melts away. It just melts away. It all becomes so meaningless when you do connect with God. When you're at that quiet time in your prayer closet and you're praying and you're really, really diligently seeking him and God knows your heart. He knows your intent. He knows that you're looking for him. He knows that you're trying to seek him. You know, now God is always there, but it's a matter of us connecting. It's a matter of us connecting, you know. It's almost like, it's almost like, for instance, our, um, you know, the, the radio in your car. You know, if you're trying to find, you know, 89.1 to get that station that's on there, you tune that knob, you tune that knob. You cannot get that broadcast until you actually hit the right frequency, you know. Now, that broadcast is always there. It's always around you, but you certainly can't hear it until you connect right and get that frequency. Well, it's kind of the same thing with God. God is always around you. Holy Spirit is in you. But until you get to the place that you can put all of this other stuff you know, all this, the, the, the cacophony of noise that's in our heads and, and all of the thoughts and trivial things that are running around in our heads and even though it may not seem trivial to us at the time but when you're in deep prayer and you're diligently seeking God, when you make that connection, the reward that you have is when you truly find God and you make that connection, okay? And that is how, that's the beginning of how you can build your faith and how you can start really learning how to, to, uh, to, to use your faith and to grow strong faith. So today we're going to look at three steps. I'm going to give you three steps um, for building your faith. And again, the first one is seeking and drawing nigh to God. Let's go to James. The book of James. James chapter 4. Okay, James. Okay, James 4, and we're going to just go to verse number 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Okay? So the first thing is, is uh, submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know? And resisting the devil is more than just um, resisting um, um, temptation to, to, to do evil, you know, to steal or do something else like that. Resisting the devil is also is resisting him by falling, not falling prey to thoughts of worry, to thoughts of stress, to thoughts of anxiety, to thoughts of fear. You know, God has not given us a spirit of fear. 
fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You know, so we should resist the devil when he tries to put those thoughts in our minds also. And by resisting him, the word of God says that he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that's what I was saying before. You know, if you draw, God, God looks at your heart. God knows what your intentions are, you know. And God knows that if you're only seeking his face and only trying to draw near simply because you want those new pair of shoes or simply because you want that car, then I mean, then, then God knows your heart. But if you're genuinely drawing near to God because you want to know him, you want to be close to him, then God will, will certainly reciprocate. He will certainly respond, you know, and in turn uh, draw near to you. Okay, let's go to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, and we're going to do verse number 8. Verse number 8. One of the things we have to look look at is not being sidetracked when we're seeking God. Uh, Starting with uh, verse number 8, Jeremiah. Praise the living God. Wait for everyone to get there. Praise God. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners who are in the midst of you deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, after seventy years are accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return even unto this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart. When you shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places to which I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Okay? So we're seeing there in verse number 9, he's basically saying there too, let not your prophets and your diviners who are in the midst of you deceive you. You know, so many times, even though we're not looking at diviners and people that are into the occult, we can also be deceived by those that would be around us, you know. And, you know, and again, you've heard me say many times, uh, sometimes people will have the best of intentions towards you, you know, will be trying to give you advice and things like that, and that can take you off path away from, away from uh, where you're heading towards God, you know. So don't let yourself get caught up in that. You know, and then down in the bottom there, verse number 12, it says, Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search me with all all your heart. So again, that's the key, searching for God with all your heart. This isn't just a surface thing. You know, this is like saying, you know, that the same way like if you were in school and you were really studying to to master a particular subject and you had to study for an exam or something, and you were really, really seeking to understand that subject matter, and maybe that subject matter was kind of fleeting. You have, you're having a hard time grasping it, but you decide to knuckle down, and you're really, really going to get this understanding under your belt, and you, you're really looking, looking for, for how to master it. Well, this is how it, how it has to be when we're seeking God. Not that we're looking to master God, but we're looking to really, really connect with God. Why? Because you want to know Him. 
Okay? It's not because I want that new car or that new house. It's because, God, I want to know you. I want to know how, how you operate. I mean, what's the secrets of the universe? Whatever it is, I mean, you, you, know, you know, talk to God and let him know, I want to understand you, Lord. You know? and, and more importantly, how do I do what you want me to do? You know, how do I follow you, Lord God? You know, give me the strength to do what it is that you're wanting me to do. You know, this is diligently seeking God. All right, so that's one of the steps there. You need to develop a personal relationship with God. You know, one of the one of the things that I've seen over the many years being in ministry is that people that have deep struggles with life, people that have deep struggles with life, often have deep struggles with relating to God. They often have deep struggles in building a relationship with God. Those people that have very deep struggles, and you talk to them and really try and sift through really what's going on, you see that there's a difficulty there in them developing a relationship with God. You see, so having that relationship with God um, uh, 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 certainly pays the way for you having less struggles in life. You see, and again, that all leads towards your developing faith. The less struggles in life that you have by depending on God certainly helps to build your faith because you're knowing how God is bringing you through this, you know. And when things start going awry and things start looking sideways, you know that I can run to God for help. You know that he is there. He's my, my shield, my fortress, and he's my, my buckler, you know. Uh, is there a human being that you trust? There are two things that are necessary in order to trust someone. First, you must find someone who is trustworthy. Second, you must get to know him, you know. Think about it. You know, if there's a human being in your life that you trust, you, you know, first of all, that person has to be trustworthy. That person has to have demonstrated things to you in his or her life for you to feel that person is indeed trustworthy. And then secondly, you've got to get to know him. So it's the same thing with God. You, know, God is, you may intellectually know that God is trustworthy, but if you don't know him, then it makes it even more difficult for you to trust him. You, you know, you know, if, if you know that there's someone that uh, you have to rely on to pick you up or something like that, and that person is always there on time, come rain or sign, that person is always always there and then you trust that person for that particular thing okay then there's a, there's a trust thing well it's the same thing um, um, with God God is always there God is always there but you also have to get to know the person if you don't know the person you might say well I don't know you know they might show up or this and that maybe they'll be there you know but as you develop that relationship with God and you get to know him then you can trust him and you can say well gee whiz I know before the same way that person showed up before on Monday I know they'll be there on Tuesday you can say well, God got me through that situation last month or last year. I remember that terrible thing I had looming over my head. God brought me through that. God showed up on time and got me out of that. And I know that God will show up this time also. You see? So the two things that you need to have is you have to know that God is trustworthy. Okay? And then you have to also just simply get to know him. The only deliberate action, the only deliberate action in our Christian walk, okay, our only deliberate action is to seek God. Is to seek God. Okay? Out of the many things that the Word talks about us doing, the many, many things, okay, we have to buy with deliberate action, which means by a function of our will, decide that we're going to seek God. Okay? It's just not going to happen. You know, we live in this busy, busy, busy world running around. There's a million things to sidetrack us, to get us distracted. So you have to get to the point where you're saying, I'm going to deliberately at 5 o'clock in the morning or whatever it might be, I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend time with God because I'm going to seek him. I'm going to seek him. You see, God is there. But what did God say? If you will seek me, if you will draw nigh to me, 
You see, you see, you see. See, but we as Christians, you know, we, and matter of fact, people who are not Christians, one of the reasons that they turn away from God is because they think that God should be seeking them out all of the time, you, you know, and then just doing for them. Well, God is calling to everybody, you know, but many times they just don't hear him and just don't want to listen, you see. So the action that we have in our part, the deliberate action, is that for us to always seek God. Okay, you want to talk about building your faith and really learning how to use your faith because you all have the same measure, but you really want to learn how to use it and you have to make it a deliberate action to actually seek God. God is bringing us to a decision. Do we trust God or do we trust man? Do we trust God or do we trust man? Okay, especially for all of us that have direct deposit. On that payday, you go online and you check your account. You expect that money to be there, and you're certain to check it. You, you know, you, you just know it's there. I don't know many people that have direct deposit, let's say, sit around on their computers waiting for the clock to turn to 12.01 on payday, and then he, feverishly in a hurry going to their account to see if the money is there. You know, they just go on the next day, maybe even without checking, and start writing checks or doing whatever it is that you have to do because you just know that the money is there. Well, you're trusting your boss or your, your organization to put the money there. Well, how much do we trust God to just do the same? You see, you know, and we have to ask ourselves those little, little questions because we often forget about it. We take, we trust so many different things. You know, you jump in the car and you turn the key. You just trust and expect that it's going to start. Well, how do we get to that same point with God? Okay, so moving forward in these days ahead of us, who do we trust? Do we trust God or do we trust man? Okay, the next thing you have to do is to read the Bible. You got to get in the habit of reading the Bible. Let's go to Joshua. Joshua 1, Joshua 1, and go to verse number 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be, thy, be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. Okay? The book, uh, let, me, let, me go, let me go back up to number one first. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have jumped right to nine. Let's go up to number one. One, one. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, past tense, have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your border. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. I will not fail thee, for, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I sworn to their fathers to give to them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wherein thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. 
thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Okay? So it says right there that the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Well, this also applies to the whole world, whole, whole word. Not just the book of the law, which is basically Old Testament, but it refers to the whole, the whole word of God. You know? Um, it says to, to uh, observe to do according to all that is written. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. You know? How can you get to know God if you don't read his word? Simple as that. How can you get to know God if you're not reading His Word? You, you, you know, you know, and you should meditate on it, not just read it. You know, one of the things that I do is I'll read a particular verse or a couple of verses, and then sit down and I'll just stop and think and say, "What does this mean?" You know, what is all this really, really meaning? Lord, what is it that you're saying through these scriptures, through these verses? You know, you know speak to me, clarify it, help me to understand exactly uh, what is going on, you see? So it says to meditate. And then, then if you notice, it says, Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Okay? So we see here then, in helping to really, really, really use our faith, we have to learn to, uh, to understand the word of God and to read it. And that's another way to draw near to God. You go to 2 Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy. Chapter 3. And we'll go to verse number 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Praise the living God. So many times we take things like faith and trust for granted and without really understanding how we should use it. Praise the living God. Verse number 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. In the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, Boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, does that sound like today, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power of it, from such turn away. Okay, we see all of those things certainly going on today. You know, lovers of themselves and and hating those people that want to do good and so on. We certainly see that see that going on today. But it says there, having a form of godliness but denying the power. From these types of things, turn away. We should turn away from things like that, or for those that are operating or behaving like that. For of this sort are they who creep into houses and lead captive silly women, women laden with sins, led away with various lusts. Forever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, it's just so amazing. Man has, man has learned how to go to the moon and to the far reaches of our solar system and all like that. And, 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 and amazing medical and scientific advances and things like that. But to come to the knowledge of the real truth, and that is that God is the creator of all things. That God is in charge of all things. That is still very, very, it, it evades them somehow because they simply do not want to understand it, you know. And way back here, 
you know, what, 2,000 years ago or so, uh, the Holy Spirit prophesied that these things indeed would be happening. You know, forever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. You see, and we can rest assured that what is going on today in the world, the folly or the things that's going on, the, the wrongs, the lies, the, the deceit and whatnot, it will indeed be, be, be revealed. You know, you know, people will indeed come to know it. It shall be made manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Please underline, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Okay? Now, God knows, thank God, none of us, no one sitting in this sanctuary has been through all that. Paul went through, praise God. Okay? But God delivered him out of those, or out of all of those things. So if God can do that, you think God cannot deliver you out of whatever situations that you may have going on in your life? You know, whatever those things might be, the same way God delivered Paul, God can certainly, can certainly deliver you. You see? So again, what I'm saying is, is, is part of, of exercising your faith and growing your faith and really learning how to use your faith is by reading the Word of God because the, read of the Word of God has these scriptures, has the voice of God, the Holy Spirit speaking through man that wrote these books, you know, speaking to us today to let us know that the same way he delivered Paul, he can certainly deliver, deliver us. Verse number 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Amen. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall become worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You see? And so as time goes on, those deceivers, those evil people, you'll see it more and more. And you look at the news and what's going on today, and we know that is certainly evident. Verse 14. But continue... But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise. Please in the line. Holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, will benefit you for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, or woman, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay? So we know that all scripture, everything written here is inspired by Holy Spirit. Okay? Okay, so so the, the black and white words that you see written on paper that originally were were, were, were penned on our um you, you, you know, sheepskin or papyrus or, or whatever, and then eventually we got into the printed word it was inspired you know a man did not just sit down and dream this stuff up you know this is why when you look at the holy bible from the beginning of the old testament from the beginning of genesis all through revelation written some 1500 years apart by i forget the number of authors exactly but by all of these various authors it all hangs together because there's one author actually i should say there's one author many people penned it but there's one author and that's the holy spirit because it was inspired by the holy 
Spirit of God. Okay, you know, you know that that's like you know if, if you were, were were able you know to live you know for a hundred years and the time that you were you know a teenager you started dictating a book to someone and then the years went by and you started dictating a book to someone else and more years went by you dictated to someone else but you are the author so therefore the thought and everything is going to be the same it's going to hang together well this is what we know here from the word of God and I'm bringing that to you relative to the subject matter of really really learning to use your faith is because reading the Bible is such a critical part of of, of growing and learning to use your faith because without understanding that these words are the Holy Spirit inspired word of God you know, then that doesn't help you to really, really build your faith unless you really, really understand that. Amen? So God's word shows you truth and tells of things to come. That's the other thing, too. Now, again, you know, this was written, this was written way back around A.D. 67. Okay, so you see how many years ago that was. A.D. 67, this was written roughly. Amen? And right away, and way back in, he's talking about men becoming blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, without natural affection, truth breakers, despisers of those that are good. Do not we see that playing out today. Amen? So only one that would know something like that 2,000 years ago would have to be God. And this is in, in, this, in this case, as it says, in, um, Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen? 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 So now we, the third point here in uh, growing and making your faith really, really work for you is our, uh, we need to counteract doubt and fear. We need to rebuke thoughts that would get us off of the promises of God. We need to bind up those thoughts. We need to, need to rebuke them. Um, worry is one of the biggest enemies of faith. Okay? Worry is one of the biggest enemies of faith. Because what worry makes us do, worry, worry, worry makes us want to take responsibility for things that are outside of our control. Okay? Worry makes us want to take responsibility for things that are outside of our control. You see? And that's where faith really comes in. Because faith is for really for things, you know, that are, that, that, well, I won't say only for things that are outside of your control, but that is certainly one of the biggest ways that your faith really, really pays off. When you've got something that's so, 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 so gone, that it's really beyond your physical or mental capacity to deal with, then you have to rely on God. And your faith in God, knowing that God can bring you through, is the only answer. Okay? But, uh, but doubt and fear is one of the biggest uh, um, enemies to, to faith. So let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16 and verse number 18. I'll go to 17. In 
And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom, under, underlying keys of the kingdom. I will give unto thee keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay? Now it says that I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom here is referring to like a badge of authority. You know? You've heard, you know, you've heard in the news, you know, and someone comes to a particular city, you know, the mayor gives that person the keys to the city, you know, now, now technically that kind of means that, that no doors can close to that person. You have the authority to go any place that you want to go. Okay, you have that authority. So Jesus is saying, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom, or the badge of authority, or power of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, it shall be bound in heaven. So that means that when things are going on, when those thoughts of fear and doubt come into your mind, you need to say in the name of Jesus, I bind you up spirit of fear. I bind you up spirit of doubt. Be gone, get away from me, because God will bring so-and-so to pass. God will remove so-and-so. Whatever that thing is that you're praying for and you're trusting God and you're having faith for, you need to bind up those thoughts that come into your mind that would tend to make you want to doubt. Okay, we want to steal or, or, or pervert or subvert your faith. Amen. Amen. So you need to make sure that is happening. Now, also, now that was chapter 16. Go to same book, Matthew, go to chapter 18. Okay, go to chapter 18. And we want to do verse 18. 18, 18. Matthew 18, 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Okay? Now, I, I bring, point this out to you, that it's interesting that, that in, in one book, Jesus mentions this twice about binding and loosing. So you think he's trying to tell us something? Amen? Twice in one chapter he's bringing up about binding and loosing. So when that thought comes against you that would try to get you off of having faith or try to steal your faith or weaken your faith, I should say, because God gave you a measure of faith, not that that can be stolen from you, but it can certainly weaken it. You know, where you, you wind up getting sidetracked away from it. Jesus saying yeah, that, that I say unto you, verily, I say that meaning, here's the truth, that whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Alright, and then it goes on to say here that, our, um, then I say that if two of you agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. You got a couple that's living together, married couple, and you got a prayer for something, something you're having faith in. You need to make sure you're in agreement. You need to make sure that you're in agreement. Amen? Amen? You know? And I find that, you know, where so many times you'll have, you'll have couples that are married and they're praying and wanting for something and they're not really in agreement. 
You, you, you know, you know where other scripture, scripture says elsewhere. You know, uh, a house divided against itself cannot stand, and so forth like that. You know, a house divided falls, and so on. Amen. So Jesus is saying here that you, you need to make sure um, two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask. It shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Where two or three or more are gathered in my name. Together, you know, I'm there in, my, in the midst. Amen. So that means that when you're praying and you're with your, your spouse, you know, be in agreement. Be in agreement for what you're praying for, you know, and believe for it. That will also help to, to, to bolster your faith. It will also help you to really um, bring your faith into a point that is very, very, very powerful, you know. And God, God is going to restore all anything that was taken that was taken away from you i'm going to uh we're going to go through 37 quickly here in closing ezekiel 37 ezekiel 37 sometimes we feel like maybe we've backtracked or lost so much lost so much time in doing something god here will certainly take care of all of that too Okay, Ezekiel 37, starting with verse number 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry, very dry, okay, brittle, inflexible, dead, okay. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. But there was no breath in them. So the bones came together, the skin came together, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Okay? Now you think about these bones and all of this sounds like something out of some horror movie or whatnot. Okay, now these verses here explain the vision. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off on our part. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Okay, now these graves are meaning where you are spiritually dead. Okay, you're not talking about, you know, bringing the dead to where you're spiritually dead because you're unaware of the truth of God, the things of God. And you shall know that I am the Lord. 
when I have opened your graves. You shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live. And I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. Thus saith the Lord. Okay? When we get to a point in our lives where we feel like there's such a dry place. Where we feel like all has been exhausted. That there is no place to turn. You know, I've tried everything and that you feel like you're in a place of spiritual dryness. You know, it's just bleak. I have no hope, you know. Lord, I mean, I've been at this thing for X number of years now, and I tried this. I thought this was the answer. I thought that was the answer, and here I am. Lord, you know, what's going on and so forth like that. God is saying here that he shall revive you. He shall revive you, okay? So relative to really, 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 really using your faith, you know, those dry bones which sometimes we all get to feel, and I don't care how long you've been in the Lord or whether you're a pastor or a teacher or a lay person or whatever it is might be, we all have those times where it's feels like, I feel like this is a practice in futility. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere, you know. Well, God will revive you, you know. God will revive you and will breathe life, fresh life back into you, you know. One of the things that I pray every single day, I pray it before church service and I pray it every time when I start feeling just a general sense of weakness. I just say, Lord, give me a fresh anointing of Holy Spirit. Give me a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Give me a fresh filling of Holy Spirit to revive me, to revive me. Once the Spirit of God gets back, in, gets back into you, you know, and gives you a fresh anointing, you will feel a revival sensation. You will feel that you're not dry anymore because God will de- indeed bring drink to you in that dry place that, you are, that you're in. You see? So as far as really, 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 really using your faith, um, in addition to the three things that I gave to you, remember also, so that no matter where you are, when you get to the point where you feel like all is lost or that there's just no hope, I don't know where to turn, remember Ezekiel and, and envision, you, you know, the valley of dry bones, you know. Because the Lord knows when you're feeling like there's no place else to go and you've kind of given up, you feel like you're in a valley. You feel like you're, you are the bones. You know, you, you look around, you, you may think about your resources, you know, you think about your bank account, you think about this, you think about that, and you're wondering, oh, gee whiz, how's this going to happen, Lord? Or you, you, you look at the calendar and I've only got so many more months or whatever it is that's going on. And you just kind of say, oh, Lord, this is a practice in futility. I just don't know. Just, just remember the valley of bones, okay? God said that I will bring the bones back together and I will put sinews, put fresh tissue on those bones. So relative to our lives, God will bring us back together within our life, whatever is going on. He'll put fresh tissue on our situation where it will not feel as bad as it, as it feels at that present time. And just knowing that, and then finally, God will breathe fresh life into you, you know, you know. Presence of Holy Spirit, presence of Holy Spirit is very, very real, saints. It's very, very real, you know. And you pray for God to give you that fresh anointing, give you a fresh infilling. He will indeed give you that fresh anointing and a fresh infilling of Holy Spirit. And then you'll see all of a sudden, you know, when you see also at that time, you reconnect with God, you're finding God. And that's the biggest reward. You know, because, I mean, it's like finding God is like, gee whiz, well, you know, the Calvary's here, <laughs> you, you know, you know, or anyone that I needed to help, you, you, you know, and if you can think of anyone that was in your life, 
any situation that was in your life, anyone that was in your life that really showed up at the right time to get you out of a tight spot, how glad you were to see that person or how glad you were to get that piece of news that you just said, oh man, thank God. Well, when you make that connection with God, and you get that fresh anointing of Holy Spirit. That's the feeling that you have. Well, gee was guess what? You know, the Calvary is here. My salvation is here. My deliverer is here. Everything that I was worried about, everything that I was thinking about is now passe. It's gone because my reward is the fact that God is here. That's my reward, you know. And it's like God just kind of like just shows up. Okay, I'm here. You know, you know, and, and I'm not getting blasphemous here or, or, or mocking God any, but, you know, you can imagine God just kind of showing up with a, 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 a big G on his chest, you know, and not like, like Superman, but a big G on his chest, like, I'm here, I'm here, what's the problem, what's the problem, you know, you know, I, I, I'm here to connect and to bail you out, okay, well, that's what having that faith is, that's what having that faith is all about, you know, and connecting with him, reading the word of God, and knowing and really, 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 really believing that God is God, and that he can bring you through whatever that situation is. That's how you really, really, really use your faith. You know, we need to get, we need to get out of the thing. Do you have faith? Yes, I have faith. But do you, how do you use that faith on a daily basis, on a moment-to-moment basis to make you victorious? Amen? Amen? Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.